Welcome to Totally Fine with Tiffany Philippou, a podcast about those life-altering experiences that shape who we are today and those times when we were not totally fine. I'm your host, Tiffany Philippou, and I've written a memoir, Totally Fine and Other Lies I've Told Myself. Each episode, I'm joined by a guest who'll tell me their story about a time that they pretended to be totally fine. I know what it's like to pretend to be okay, and that's what my book is about. After my boyfriend Richard died by suicide, I spent most of my 20s pretending that this never happened. I know that it's not just what happens to us, but the stigma we feel and how we suppress it that's the real problem. So here's why we're having these conversations, to quiet the shame monster and to remind us that we're not alone. I should be good and kind and honest and I am those things. But I'm also kind of a sneak and like I put on TV quite a lot for my kid and I can be a superior judgy bit. So I need to have approval for those parts of me. Otherwise, I would hate myself. And beyond that, I would hate those parts and other people, which I don't at all. Like I really uh, love those parts and other people. You do often like someone more or love someone more for their contradictions or their bad behavior and when you see someone fully it kind of draws you to them it is actually by collapsing this binary that we allow allow us as a collective to integrate our shadow enough that we are able to transcend these things but it takes a mad philosophical leap for people to do that but i think it's what we need Today I'm joined by Holiday Phillips. Holiday is a speaker, writer, thinker, organisation and consultant and a coach. Holiday works at the intersection of personal transformation and collective liberation. So get ready for this conversation because in my opinion, she's a general genius and I just adore her brain and its ability to go to places that I can't even imagine. I love watching her on Instagram and whether it's race or motherhood, Holiday offers unique and confronting perspectives and I'm constantly learning from her. We discuss some big ideas in this conversation, ideas that are deeply informed by the wisdom of both Holiday's ancestral and spiritual lineage. For this wisdom, she pays homage to her ancestors, the Mandinka and the Parsi people, and her spiritual teacher, Perry Chase. Holiday once wrote, When we are attached to our goodness and afraid of being seen as bad, we become rigid and immovable. We become so desperate to prove to ourselves and others that we are good now, that we don't open up the possibility that we could become more good or more whole. Our goodness becomes a thing we fight to protect, not the hope. Of a better future. Welcome to the show, Holiday. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. And I didn't put this in the intro, but we have known each other for a very, very long time. Yeah, like I was thinking about this earlier. I think like twenty-eight years. Gosh, twenty-eight years. And and actually, you pointed out to me that we were actually destined to be friends because our surnames were next to each other. Because I was trying to think how. How did we become so close? Because we were really, really close um, when we were, what is it, seven from the age of seven? Yeah. So I think I've told you this before, but it's really cute because when, you know, the security question that you often get, what's the name of your childhood best friend? You're the answer. Tiffany is the answer to all of my security questions of that. So that's probably really poor security management from me there. But um, yeah. 
Oh, that's so adorable. Um, oh, I'm really moved by that. And it is um, also we've sort of come in and in and out of each other's lives as well for different time periods, which kind of um, which in itself is also very interesting about how one I always believe that teachers come into your life at the right time. And I also believe that of friendships and how they can come in and out as well. So that's also lovely. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you before we get into what you're going to talk about today, I, as I said, just love watching your Instagram videos and you on Instagram in general. What is it like having such a big audience and a big community of people watching and listening to what you say and do? So, I mean, the context for me was that I went from having say a thousand Instagram followers who were just friends and family to like 45,000 really in the span of a few weeks, I'd say, um, uh, off the back of this article that I wrote that went viral. So it, it was, um, maybe that's what happens to most people who, who grow followings, I don't know, but there wasn't like a slow build. It was just one moment there. Um, and and to answer the what's it like, I would say, interestingly, until I got pre- had Ocean, my son, actually it was just amazing because I was really, um, I was creating a ton of content and it felt really easy and natural. And actually the people who came into the my my space I have found to be just so kind and thoughtful and actually there's a few people who follow me who I genuinely consider them to be part of my life now I mean I don't know I've never spoken to them but they comment regularly and we message and they're just part of my they're part of my life um and all of that's just I, I consider it to be just a real gift. It's a huge gift to be able to have a have a group of people who want to listen to what you want to say. But when I had had my had Ocean and suddenly I didn't want to be creating content as much, and I still haven't gone back, got back to that place where I want to be, then it kind of shifted for me when I felt this internally created pressure that I was letting those people down. Um so there's that and there's also, and again, this is internally created, but the way in which I kind of that audience grew was off the back of me talking about race and justice. So there's definitely a filter that I have where when I want to talk about something else, I feel a sense of guilt. Like these people aren't there for that. You're letting them down. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like overall, I have to say it's just a huge gift and a massive privilege. And I, I take it really seriously but um, there's the internal pressures that I create for myself. Gosh, I can really imagine, yeah, that feeling, that pressure. Um, thank you for being so honest about that. I'm sure people wouldn't wouldn't think of that. So no, thanks for sharing that. Should we get into what we're going to talk about today? I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, so what is the experience that's changed you? Do you know, I almost find that question impossible to answer because there have been so many. And because I feel like as a person, I am constantly in a state of changing. 
in fact, there's um, there's kind of a communal joke amongst my friends that actually used to really upset me. It's one of those jokes that you, you know, you laugh at it because you want to be in the in the joke, but actually you're finding it quite hurtful. And um, people have always kind of poked fun at me. And I think part part of it is from love and part of it is actually because it unsettles people of how rapidly I I change things in my life. Like how many different career paths I've had or different countries that I've lived in or just um, just kind of different uh, versions of me that have been. And there's a way in which I used to, I used to feel really ashamed of that because it was like flaky or somehow dishonest or something like that. Um, but now as I've kind of grown into it, I really... I feel it as this incredible, um, what might I say? I feel really proud of it actually as a character attribute because it's a real, uh, I think it's a real love of life, a real respect and a reverence for life to allow yourself to be changed and carved by the experiences of life and not fixed. Um, so I, even if I were to say, you know, what's the experience that changed you? I could literally sit here and reel off hundreds um, and no one would be more significant than the other. I love that. I love change and I love, I'm, I'm like you, I think, with regards to career change, always moving, new, developing as a person. So I really relate to that. Yeah, I think that, that when we kind of came back together as adults or, you know, reconnected as adults, um, that that was one of the things where we really met as like souls because there was a way in which we we exist both in in kind of our society but I think within our social circles of like quite a clear path that people take and you and I were, were not doing that so there was a way in which we kind of like found each other in that spot and it was a real um alchemy love that yes um so what I will ask you though is talk to me about a time or maybe it's an evolving time or a thing when you did pretend to be fine. I would actually say in varying ways that I have spent my whole life until probably the last, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two years. And actually, I think it does coincide with this thing you're talking, talked about, about the social media following and um, that, that I was just pretending on some level, pretending to be more fine than I was. Um, and, 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 and perhaps there's a way in which it wasn't even just fine, but it was like pretending to be perfect so I can I can give you maybe in terms instead of like specific times I can give you more like themes if that would work like ways in which I've tried to be fine pretend to be fine I think that there is a there is a way in which who I am actually as as a person in this way that I'm talking about like really receptive to change adventurous open that not the not necessarily the other side of that, but uh, part of that 
character trait is also that I'm a pretty chaotic, I'm quite a chaotic person. You know, I'm physically I'm messy with stuff. Um, I'm, um, you know, I want to say I'm like the most ground, grounded person. Like I feel a lot of stuff and I'm like, uh, I'm not like an easy breezy person. There's like a deep well of just shit going on in me all of all the time. Um, and I think in reaction to that and, and feeling that actually that kind of chaotic, um, really sensitive, really feeling way of being was not, did not fit in this, in this world. Um, I think I created like a persona around me as like the sorted person, like the person who always had stuff like on lock. And actually it's funny because I actually, I don't think I did that good a job of creating that persona, but in my mind, I was doing lots of stuff to uphold that. So things from like, you know, um, at school, you know, we were at school together and I really was like, uh, wanted to be like the cool girl or like, you know, who knew the boys and who was smoking and who was like, you know, just doing the, doing the thing. And then when I was at uni, I was like working in, I used to work in the nightclub. So I was always the person who could get anyone a guest list and, you know, knew all the people. And then when I went into my career, it was like, I got on a real, you know, I got on a real good career track and I was working for Apple and I rose really quickly and I had a good salary and all of these things when a lot of my friends were still kind of flailing. So it was like, I have always held myself to whatever in my eyes was like the level above what other people were were doing. So it kind of is like, maybe had in times had manifested as like a kind of arrogance, but it really, it really wasn't. It was a deep insecurity and a need to like be seen in other people's eyes as um, better than in order to feel safe. So I, so I think that for me, the like, whenever I pretended to be fine, it was more like, I, I wanted to be better than fine. I wanted to be like, great. Um, and I think that the the fundamental thing below that was that not even just that I wasn't great, because I think a lot of people aren't, but that I had so little approval for the parts of myself that were chaotic or messy or sad or weak, quote unquote, or imperfect, that the only way I could um, like tolerate those bits was to uh, be, be, need to be seen as not that in everybody else's eyes. Where do you think that desire to suppress and shame those elements of yourself came from? I think there's a way in which, to a varying degree, everybody carries some of that. Like, I look at my son... And you come, he come into the world like so open and so magical, actually. You know, little kids, they're complete, they're magical. They're just interfacing with existence in such a pure way. There's no stories. There's just, there's just relationship. Um, and then, you know, very quickly, you are told 
that you can't be all of yourself. And I think I, I even, you know, I noticed unconscious of this in, in my parenting. Like there's a way in which sometimes my kid can be being really loud and I just don't want him to be loud. And I'm like, be quite, you know, shh, ocean, even if I'm saying it in a loving way. And then somewhere in there, it's like, okay, I'm not allowed to fully express myself. And then they go to school and, you know, unless you fit a very particular model of what's seen as good, you know, we, we've talked about this, like you are then bad and then you go to the workplace and then there's all these fucking competencies that you're meant to be um, expressing or whatever. And I'm, and I'm not necessarily being critical of the world or society because some of these things need, need to happen. Like there's boundaries that I need to put in for my son. And he may interpret that as, and that may make him feel like he has to su- suppress himself and that may be true. So I'm not necessarily saying like, oh, the world is so bad, it suppresses us. I'm just saying, I think I'm just saying that the very nature of coming into this human world in some ways inevitably gives you the message that part of you is is bad and wrong. And I think that's amplified by what we um the kind of culture that we have, which is really fueled by good and bad. I mean, all the way down to like the, the, the way that a lot of our cultural mythology runs off religion, um, Judeo-Christian religion and that like, um, that constant underpinning of good and evil, but also the way that we have that in our modern culture and kind of cancel culture and culture wars and all of these things. So there's a real way in which people are feeling like they need to be good and that the parts of themselves that are less, seemingly less desirable, their shadow, we might say, need to be locked away and hidden away. Like we don't as a society have a lot of approval for, for the broad spectrum of humanity, which is kind of crazy because actually we know that humanity is all of the things, like it is joy and and love and altruism, but it's also greed and selfishness and perversion and violence and all all of these things. Um, And but we're given the messages from very young and then constantly reinforced that, that that we can't be all of ourselves. So I think it's just like shame is a very, very natural outcome of the, the world that we live in. But then for me personally, where did it get amplified? Um, I, I think, you know, I have two, both my parents are immigrants and we really grew up with that immigrant uh mentality of a little bit of like you're a visitor in this country and so you need to be even better so I remember my dad actually saying to us like you're you're a woman and you're a black woman you need to be twice as good as your peers so I mean we had that message from young and he 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 was meaning it from love because it had been you know really tough for him to come through um and I I think there was a way in which he he didn't fully see that things were not the same as they had been in the 60s and also they were still they were still in some way that so he was trying to protect that but I I I think I internalized that really uh, strongly um 
And then I think there is also a way for me in which I have always been, hmm, how do I say? I mean, I think I've always been like a real, like lived like big, like played big, like not, not like massive. I have a massive appetite for risk. I'm like really like a huge, I have a huge appetite, let's say, for life and for experiences and for like all of these things. And I think I always felt too big. And I think that was also amplified by being one of the only like black people in my community that that in itself felt big and my hair was big and I was tall and all of these things. So I think for me, it was like all of these things threaded together to make me feel like I had to cut away parts of my self from very young. And as you're talking, I remember when we were both young and friends, we used to get in trouble a lot and we are obviously not bad people, but I certainly, as you say, there's that good versus bad. And in childhood, because we were always getting in trouble, it's probably just because we weren't conforming to how they wanted us to. And so we were getting the message that there was something wrong with us. Like that was kind of my experience of school quite young. And that's kind of what popped into my mind when you were talking about, yeah, those messages we get and that experience we have at such a young age. Yeah, t- totally. And it's like, um, I think that there's a, there's a way in which like we all have our natural things that we come into the world to do, like our soul's calling. And I think for, for, for me, and I think it's for you, but in a kind of different way and different manifestation, but for me, like there's a real fucking deep call for justice somewhere in my, in my being um, and I'm sure there's like something ancestral about that and all of this, but I, I really have like a, um, a deep inclination or more than inclination, like need to push against things that I don't think are right. But when you're really young, in some ways that might just, it, it's not clarified yet, right? It's not refined. So I think for me, I just had the need to just push against things like push against rules, push against authority um, and push against things where I didn't see consistency. Like I remember one of the first times I got into trouble at at school, I don't know if you remember this, was like we had used to have a rule that was like um, you could only have two piercings. Now, of course, they meant in both ears, but I remember getting my, my nose pierced and then coming in with one earring and a nose piercing. Now that's like just ultimately really unnecessary and like just trying to kind of be a bit of an obnoxious kid but there was something deeper in there for me which was like why like why why are you person telling me what I can do with my body and it manifested because I was a kid in like a pretty unproductive and just like just not necessary now I'd be like come on but there was something in there for me where it was like hmm that's beyond a kind of like, I just don't want to be told what to do. It's like a natural leaning towards liberty and freedom and justice and, um, and, and being in the conversation, like being able to be in the conversation. See, I interpret that move as actually a very important action because it's fighting nonsensical 
rules that just exist because they do. So, um, yeah, so you may value kind of liberty and, um, you know, autonomy over your body or something like that. Whereas I might, I, I would say that that's a really important move because what that it doesn't make sense. Like, why can't you have three or two and who are they to say? And it's, I, I, I'm very suspicious of like, because I've said so, because I've told you so, which is very much the culture of school. And what's funny is you and I have actually turned, turned those that not wanting to sort of, um, conform into our superpowers because we're now having these like joyful multifaceted careers and lives and blah 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 but it's still we're still not conforming or fitting into the system and the other thing that jumped out to me as well when you were talking about that kind of pressure to pretend to be not even pretend to be fine to 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 seem that you were doing beyond fine like winning and were great um i noticed that you talked about how you were not an easy person. I don't know if I use the right words and how you do feel like you hold chaos and you and you feel and think deeply. Um, I was curious whether that is true, that kind of I'm bigger, I'm too much for this world, or whether you're actually someone who's more in tune with those sides of themselves and perhaps maybe plenty of people hold those, but they even like, have pushed them down even more. Does that make sense as a question? Yeah, I think it does make sense as a question. And I think it's, and I think based on just my thinking that it's probably a both and. I think that there are, um, you know, our social, different epochs, different ages create different social structures. And I think that there's a, we have a really quite a like, um, you know, I've quite a clear social structure, the way that society operates that we live in now, um, like quite a highly um, conformist, uh, productive, like archetypally masculine um, society, um, you know, high, high, highly safety conscious or, or lots of things that you could can talk about and also like you know amazing I'm saying all the critical things but I do think that some people's system some people's just like way that they are they this is actually an a, a more comfortable more aligned time to be living in um and some people's system it is even, it, it's less aligned. So I think that there's a way in which there's like, yeah, I am pretty in tune with my feelings, but I don't think, oh, but because then everybody else out there has suppressed. The reason other people can just kind of get on is because they've suppressed. I, I don't think it's that. I think for some people, I genuinely believe that for some people, existence is just easier in this particular time and in a different place and in a different time, it might not be. And actually, I think that, that we need that as a humanity. Like that's how you get ev- evolution. Like you, you, if everyone was just like, yeah, this is working, then we wouldn't evolve. But you need to like, for people to rub and, and kind of chafe against it and then push for change. And then, then, then maybe another group of people. So I, I think that that's actually how social evolution works. Um, I also think that there is a way in which 
And I, I, I certainly have this. And I know a lot of people have this kind of like ident- bit of an identity that they have of like the outsider and I don't fit in and like the world is so hard and, and this kind of like way of being in the world um, that can kind of romanticize uh, like normality. Like I, I, remember, I had this conversation with one of my really good friends and we were saying like, sometimes saying like, because sometimes I just really wish that I just just had like, a genre as a person like I was just like you know some people are just like really clear they come like, I, I'm thinking about like the goths you know when we in the night like the 90s like they just they had like a genre and they kind of had everything like this is the music I'm into this is the people I hang out with this is my belief system I'm like oh my god that just seems so awesome and so I think I do slightly romanticize um the idea that some people just have their shit you know on lock and and that may not be true but I I think that um I think that there are there are people for example like in my work around diversity and inclusion like there are people for whom this world is set up to be more easy like able-bodied people like white people like men and that's true not just at the kind of essential category level, but at the more intangible kind of soul level, like how you interact with reality, who you are. For some people, it's just harder to be alive, I think. Well, it makes me think about how software engineers are paid a lot more than artists. And there's no, you know, I think it's, we just, you might happen to be born with a skill set or a way of being that society values or pays you more for like that's kind of a base way of communicating it but I think you're right like it's some people are just a bit more aligned within the structure and they might benefit in different ways um so that's really interesting and I think the outsider thing's also very interesting because I think at the same time a lot of people do feel like outsiders yeah uh I think it's a really relatable feeling particularly when growing up um and it's interesting how much teenage it's interesting how goths are very much a teenage era thing as well do you see what I mean like finding that identity to stick to and I wonder whether religion's a big one that people do as well like that there there's that craving to kind of that craving to conform and hold an identity I think is something that's very relatable part of being human Totally. And I think it's what is manifesting in what people are calling like the culture wars, because there's another like really clear faction that you can put yourself in that kind of almost prescribes, oh, this incident has happened. This is what I meant to believe about it. These are the words I meant to use. So it's like, yeah, God, wouldn't life be, isn't life much easier when there's someone who can tell you, you know, what you're meant to do and think and, and believe. And, um, and I think that's, yeah, and to the outsider point, I think that's why, um, let me say, how do I say, if if you don't feel like you belong, which is ultimately you don't feel like all parts of you are welcome, then I, that's what that's what attracts people to like g- double down into a, a faction or whatever it is. Um, and... You know, at an extreme end, that's how cults, that's how cults uh, operate and recruit. 
and that's why I think I my you know my body of work or my my purpose now is like just crystallizing even more and more to be being about how can I in all different ways that I work just constantly be coming back to this thing of like how can we have approval for all parts of ourself and all parts of and all parts of our humanity that's my practice like radical approval for everything um because without that we because it is the lack of approval for all parts of our humanity that actually pulls us further apart from ourselves or, or from each other um and and I think that's the that's the kind of like thing for me that links self and society like whenever we feel like we're an outsider it is because we either in reality or in feeling there are certain parts of ourselves that we don't believe are welcome to bring forward or safe to bring forward um and so on an individual level that's where we get like loneliness and depression and anxiety and crisis and I think that's the same thing that is happening on a collective level like we're in such disapproval for the parts of ourselves for the parts of our humanity that we think are wrong and bad that we like split We, we split and we make it bad people over there and good people over here um and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like the things that we think are so bad, they are us. And my personal preference would be, or my personal like radical philosophy, although I have no idea how this would work in practice, is like we need a period of time as a humanity where we can just have like total approval for all, where we are now. Like all of the awful things just be like, yep, that's who we are. So it's who all of us are on some level. Let's just acknowledge that okay, and now how do we change it? Rather than what we have now is just like a constant blaming and shaming and marginalizing and polarizing of others that we can't really move. That's fascinating as a concept. And yeah, I'm just thinking about the age we live in and that need to present perfection on Instagram or like the perfect righteous views on Twitter or whatever that might look like. We definitely live in an age where how one presents themselves publicly is extremely tied into the relationship with the self. What does it look like to have radical approval of humanity? Like what parts of myself might I have to accept or what have you had to accept as part of this? So I would say this is a living practice for me. And by that, I mean, it's like, it is a constant process so for me I talk about like you know how people have spiritual practices meditation yoga uh whatever it is for me my spiritual practice is life like whatever material life is giving me then that's the thing that I'm working with so a really small example is like I finish work today really intense day of work I get ocean my mum was looking after ocean me and ocean play for a little bit and then after a while I was like okay, I'm, I'm just going to put, put some Peppa Pig on so I can chill on my phone and scroll Instagram for a little bit. Then there's a, like, you know, then the, my voices come in of like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is bad motherhood. I've been working all day and now we're, we're watching Peppa Pig. So the practice there, for, so, so there's a way in which I can just be doing the thing and then beating myself up about it 
which disconnects me from myself and disconnects me from my son. Or there's a way in which I can just have total approval for like, that's what's going on right now. You know, that's, I, I was tired. I want to put Peppa Pig on, scroll Instagram on my phone. I'm just going to have approval for that part of me. Or there's a way in which like, I consider myself to be a pretty like, hmm, let's say, I'm not a big, um, how might I say? Mm, I really value honesty and truth. And there's a part of me that's kind of a bit of like a sneak, like a sneak, like a sneaky part. Like if I can kind of get away with doing something without having to like fully tell the whole truth because I don't want to upset somebody, like a kind of a white lie, there's a part of me that like really wants to do that. So it's like a, like a little character. Now, because I am also someone who really values honesty and truth, I, c- I have really shamed that part of me. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I do that. So I'm such a coward. But the practice for me is like, that's part of me too. I have total approval for that part of me. I mean, I could literally, list, I did a post about this, all of the things um, that my subconscious tells me I am. Like, I can be a real superior bitch. Massively, I can be like, oh God, like, people they they just don't get because you know I'm like a big thinker I'm always thinking about things so I can be really intellectually snob <laughs> totally and there's a way that I even just by saying this that's me having approval for that part of me so for me it's like all of these parts are part of me I'm not perfect I'm a human and you know even more so because I'm kind of a teacher of of camp of, of I talk about a lot of spiritual principles, like even more people can pedestal me and be like, oh, I need to, I should be good and kind and honest. And I am those things, but I'm also kind of a sneak and like I put on TV quite a lot for my kid and I'm can be a superior judgy bit. So I need to have approval for those parts of me. Otherwise I would hate myself. And beyond that, I would hate those parts and other people, which I don't at all. Like I really uh, love those parts and other people. And, for, and and that's actually, it's funny because it's like, there's a way in which we tell ourselves like in order to be good, I need to remove all of these bad parts of myself. But from actually being in full approval, I mean, I'm not in full approval, but I'm in a practice of approval for those parts of me is the thing that allows me to be really, really fucking loving of other people. Yeah, I feel like, I, one of the things I constant work in progress is like sitting with difficult feelings. And that's something I'm now, you know, if I feel something uncomfortable, like I explore it, blah, blah, blah. But what you're talking about is like, uh, advanced level, which is learning to sit with and give approval to those sides of ourselves that we do feel shame for. And, um, I'm going to go away and give it some more thought, but yeah, it's like, oh, actually, like, I can be a bitch or this and that. And like, again, and then as you say, and this is what I see as love um, between friends and between humans and between all people where you do often like someone more or love someone more for their contradictions or their bad behavior. And when you see someone fully, it kind of draws you to them. So yeah, I'm definitely going to go and think about what my things are. And what part of my chaos that I've tried to sort of 
iron out for the approval of others and kind of shamed and silenced within me. Um, but yeah, it's next. This I, I think this is next level shit. <laughs> I love the thing. So it's like um, my te- my teacher talks about like advanced poses, like you would have in in yoga, like and and yes, what I'm talking about is advanced is an advanced level pose, but that that doesn't. But there's there's an adjustment. So the adjustment would be exactly what you're talking about. It's like just write a list. Like what are all of the things that I tell myself are bad and wrong in me. Just like get them out there. Just write them. That's the beginner adjustment. You start there. Then the kind of like next level pose is when when I hear myself doing, shaming myself for this part, can I, can I be compassionate to myself? Can I be kind to myself and just say like, wow, God, it must really hurt to be shaming myself for this. Let me be kind to myself. And then really the advanced level pose is a total approval for it all. And this is like, this I think requires quite a big conceptual leap for people who are committed to staying in the good and evil framework, because you have to totally collapse that. And that's really uncomfortable for some people because what then then happens is they're like, well, if I do that, then how, how does the world change? Like I can't do, I have to hold on to that framework because then we'll have racists and pedophiles and war. But what I say is we have racists and pedophiles and war within this conceptual framework of good and bad. And I'm, I guess I'm kind of proposing a quantum leap that says it is actually by collapsing this binary that we allow, pe- allow us as a collective to integrate our shadow enough that we are able to transcend these things. But it takes a mad philosophical leap for people to do that. And I, I, but, but I think it's what we need. I think it's really what we need. And then the other thing, like the, the maybe like fun yoga pose here is like, it's just a lot more fun to live when you aren't trying to be like a good woman all the time. One of my friends is a teacher, a spiritual teacher. She says like, she believes in like multidimensional uh universe so that there's like many different incarnations that many different like uh dimensions let's say and she says the earth coming into the body of a human earth is like the red light district of the universe it's like it's where you can do all the crazy shit and like eat all of the food and do all the sex poses and take all the drugs and have all the experiences and watch all the tv programs and 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 do all the activism and just all the stuff and what she says is like for her, it's uh, when we when we when we really ac- acknowledge like that th- this is what this this is just a crazy dimension that then we can start to um, have more approval for it. And I always find that quite fun. Like there's a way in which mm, we're trying to do these like advanced level poses that you like you said requires a bit more of a lightness of touch and a little bit of humor for the whole thing. Um, that can give us an opening to see ourselves in a slightly less serious and rigid way. That humour is relatable because, you know, if you're with a partner or a loved one or a family member, you might humorously say, oh, ha ha, you're like this. And it might be one of those sorts of things. So I think what I'm hearing is to give that same love to yourself as you would a loved one, essentially, with that sort of humour. 
I think it helps. It's it, it, it kind of like, you know how humor almost like, it like breaks the ice, doesn't it? So I think it can help. Like I certainly, I have characters. Like I kind of, I did this many years ago, I, but it was, this was a real practice for me where I would, this was when I was doing a, like a really a lot of medita- meditation practice. And I would see the different voices in my head and I would like characterize them like, um, you know, the film, if it, p- people haven't seen it, that film Inside Out, the cartoon, what, have you seen it? I'm not, I think I have, but I'm like now not sure. <laughs> you should watch it. It's this girl and she has the four different, um, like joy, sadness, disgust and fear and anger. And they're, they're all in her head. It's, uh, it's like a Pixar or something. But for me, it's like one of the most, like, brilliant creative uh, um, artistic endeavors that shows like what's happening in the subconscious and then all the different characters have their their character. And, and I, and I did that. I could like start to look at like, Oh, these are the different parts of me. Like, Oh, I had like a moaning Minerva or like a hypochondriac hyacinth. Like I, I fucking named them and drew them out. And that really helped me to again, like, just like take the heat off it because it's like when we're in this place where we're really shaming ourselves and we're really beating ourselves up, it's really closed. You can't really move in that space. You just like go down, down and down. But if you can, if even you can just create like a millimeter of opening to like start to see, A, everybody feels this way. Like, let's just be real. Everybody feels this way at some point in their life. And B, these parts of ourselves are just parts of humanity. Like you said, like, I can be judgy. Who can't, right? I said, like, I can be superior sometimes. Who can't be superior or inferior because they're actually the same thing? Um, So, you know, we start to see, like, these are just characters that are floating around in humanity and one of them is in me right now and (laughs) that's what it is. I think people will really relate to that need and pressure to present as perfect it's something I really relate to and I've lived a lot of my life needing to like have my shit together and I'm someone who's considered as someone who has it all together but then sometimes when I let go I talked about this in therapy a bit um once I relaxed a bit I actually can be quite scatty and chaotic and can like lose things and like book a cinema ticket for the wrong time and all these sorts of things but there's something about um yeah, like letting go and not having that pressure to be perfect and have it all and be on top of stuff. And I think it does particularly affect, um, maybe that's unfair, but my, I think there's something tied into that about being a woman as well. And like, you know, having to have the perfect body and be the, do the career and like do everything. I think there's a pressure there to be perfect that people, I think people listening will really relate to that. For sure. And, and on the, the woman thing, patriarchy is not just a degradation of women. It is a degradation of the, the feminine and, and the feminine in terms of like archetypes is chaos, like yin and yang, order and chaos. So we're like, and I'm, I'm not saying women, but the, like the feminine, which is if we each ha- have Femin- archetypally feminine, archetypally masculine parts within us, um, yin and yang, order and chaos, the world that we live in like massively elevates the masculine structure, goals, 
um, like the material, the rational. So of course, the feminine, chaos, creativity, um, reception is enormously shamed in women and in men. So I, I, but I think it affects, you know, it impacts women, it impacts women more, but um, it's the feminine in men too is enormously shamed. So I, I mean, if we think about like, there's just a huge imbalance in in terms of of, of those two energies within the world. Um, so, and actually, I see that for me as like this isn't this is my activism, like a t- two parts for me of of kind of living my life as as an activist practice. It's like where am I shaming the feminine in myself? So for me, it's like if I wake up in the morning and like. It, particularly if I'm on my period, right? And I'm just like, get, get up and go and like, gotta do it. It's like, well, there, we, I'm shaming the feminine. I'm being violent to the feminine in me in that moment, which just needs to rest and receive and whatever it is. So I think that there's like, there's, there's things that are happening on the, on the macro scale that we can trace right back to our individual relationship to ourselves. And it's like, where am I shaming? the part of me that is not productive? Where am I shaming the part of me that needs to rest? Where am I shaming the part of me that is sad? Um, you know, all of these things um, that then eventually manifest on a, on a global scale as just an enormously imbalanced society. But I, and I love this for me because it's like a lot of the time when people look out the world and it's like, God, things feel so intractable and so big and so out of my control. Like, I can't do anything. But it's like, um, do you know that thing, you know, where you see those images where you can see, it's like almost like where they map out like uh, the the veins of a leaf and then the, the, the capillaries in the body and like it all looks the same or you like see a tree and then it shrinks down to a broccoli and then it, it's like <laughs> everything that's happening on the macro scale is exactly the same. You know, we are an, a little ecosystem. It's like, look at what's mm. happening in the world, then ah, look at it in your life and, and start there. Yeah, I always say the personal is political. So mm-hmm. it's part of that as well. So I'm going to play my small role in the activism and I've written notes. I'm gonna really sit with and think about what parts of myself I need to work on approving or what the, um, yeah, like what do I believe is wrong in me? So I'm gonna do that. Um, and I hope my listeners will do it. I just adjust really, really quickly, yeah. there, not work on. Work on is like, an, it's pretty hot, it's like a hard stick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so me, yeah, to do that. Okay, not work on. <laughs> Gently caress. Um, what's it? What? What? <laughs> Gently caress. Um, <laughs> just see. Just, just notice. Just no- notice. Because it doesn't have to be an action, like upfront. Like, just notice. Oh, the bias to action. The other human. <laughs> the human. But, but thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for sharing and, and having the generosity to share those parts of yourself um, and your experience. Thank you. You're welcome. We always ask guests this and I'm intrigued and excited to hear your answer. Um, pretending to be fine is something that we do 
on a daily basis, if not more so. Is there an example of you doing that perhaps recently or a different way to what we've talked about today? So I think the, the big one for me, as you know, I've been in a grief process for the last year since my sister died. And there's a way in which I'm kind of constantly, it's not necessarily pretending to be fine, but it's not bringing that part to every situation. So it, in a way, I guess there there is a a, um, a choosing of the part of me that is fine, because to bring the part of me that is just not fine and will never be fine to every situation would not be functional. I wouldn't function. So I I I think. I, and maybe this changes, you know, you, you, you've written about it, of course, so beautifully, but where I am now, I think there's a way in which when you are sitting with that level of, of, of sadness and grief, you are always kind of pretending to be a little bit more fine than you are. But I actually think that the, the way I frame it for me is like, you're, you're choosing to, um, let that part rest in certain moments. Yeah. Um, I actually think that's a really beautiful note to end on because I think it ties in with what we're talking about today, which is maybe we don't need to shame ourselves for sometimes feeling the need to pretend to be fine. Hell yeah. Um, thank you again. Always such a joy to talk to you. Uh, as I said, my brain always expands with every conversation I have with you. So thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Love you so much. Thank you for listening to Totally Fine with Tiffany Philippou, hosted by me, Tiffany Philippou. Anna Codrirado is the executive producer. Editing and mixing is by Chris Bannister. And you may recognise us because we've also got another show called Is This Working? So you can check that out too. And if you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review as that really helps more people find the show too. Thank you.